My name is Ricky Spindler. I'm the lead pastor. Some of you have been coming for the last six weeks, and, and you're like, who is this guy? But I'm back every uh, summer. I take a four-week sabbatical. At the beginning of this one, we had two weeks where I preached camp to roughly about 1,000 teenagers over two weeks, and then we did a four-week sabbatical after that. So before I go into the message, I just want to say we have wonderful elders and staff here who can lead and do a great job. Can we give them a round of applause? Come on. It's good. It's wonderful. So I'm the lead pastor here, and if I haven't met you and you're new around here, I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to uh, get to know you and introduce myself to you. If you have your Bibles, in a few moments we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. I want you to turn there with me. It'll be some time before we get there. But that's where we'll spend a majority of our time, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll, we'll start reading in verse 16 in a few moments. We're doing a series in conjunction with the topic and theme of our children's ministry, Making Waves is what they're talking about. The tagline for this series is we make waves by the power of God's Spirit working in our lives. We make waves by the power of God's Spirit working in our lives. When I started looking at waves, I found an interesting phenomenon that takes place two times a year in the months of February and March in the nation of Brazil. There is something, a phenomenon that happens called the Amazon wave or what some locals call the Pororoca wave. There's a picture of it on the screen. This phenomenon happens when the tide of the Atlantic Ocean forcefully pushes against the current of the Amazon River. That conflict between the current of a river and the forceful push of a tide creates a wave. That wave is roughly moving, that you see there, 20 miles per hour. It will get to heights on average of 12 to 13 feet high and has been known at its, at, its, at its farthest point to penetrate the Amazon River up to 500 miles. And uh, the locals don't call it the Amazon or wave, they call it the Parochor wave because that in their language means the great roar. Because when this starts to happen, you can hear that wave coming, they say, for up to 30 minutes before it manifests itself to your eyes as it begins to move through the river valley. Now, as fate would have it, there are some daredevils who think that this is the best to be able to ride a wave moving 20 miles an hour, 12 feet high, for as long as we possibly can. A majority of them are fellas, brothers, and the longest one ever ridden was 40 minutes. Guy rode away for 40 minutes. Now, I just want to say on record, that's why guys die sooner than ladies. Let's just be honest. Am I right, ladies? Come on. We, I mean, that's the truth. I thought about that, when, that wave there and just thinking about that phenomenon is when, with our theme, making waves when the power of God's Spirit working in us, is that there comes a time when the tide of the Holy Spirit begins to push against the current of the flesh and sin in your life. That creates a wave. That conflict creates a wave. Or collectively, when God begins to move through a local church or moves through his church universal, 
the tide of the Holy Spirit begins to push against the, the, the current of culture, what happens is, is that there is a wave generated. What we're saying is, is that when the Holy Spirit begins to work and push back against the sins of the flesh in your life, we call that the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, it's producing fruit. We call this love, joy, peace, patience, found in Galatians chapter 5. And essentially, that's just what we're doing in this series. We're highlighting the fruits of the Spirit as listed in Galatians chapter 5. Don't have time for all of them, but this week we're talking about faithfulness. Our children are learning about that in the elementary age today. And this is the definition that they're using today. We're going to put it on the screen. It's faithfulness. Be faithful so others can count on you. Be faithful so others can count on you. Some other words for faithfulness could be strength, could be stability, perseverance. Be faithful so that others can count on you. Now, the Bible gives an interesting metaphor that I think we're going to glean some understanding from. Probably one of the most dominating metaphors in all of Scripture is, uh, for spiritual truths, is trees. And in the Old Testament, one of the most prominent metaphors is this phrase, or the, this metaphor of the cedars of Lebanon. These are dominating trees. There's a picture of one. Think of the redwood trees that we have here in the United States. They grow largely on mountaintops, tumultuous terrain, and desert-like conditions. They are roughly, on average, 30 feet in circumference, over 100 feet tall. They're ginormous. They are the, the cedars of Lebanon. When I turned 40, <coughs> not, too, not too long ago, I just began to ponder uh, my life and think about where I'm going, what I want to do. And I made a list of 10 individuals, men and women, who I wanted to meet who were largely in their 70s and 80s that I've known from afar, but I wanted to get close to them, to glean from them before some of them in bad health passed away. And I titled that list humorously, The Cedars of Lebanon. These are the people who went from, I called the promised life to the proven life over a long period of time. In my mind, a picture of faithfulness that I wanted to glean from. In fact, this is what the author David in Scripture, one of the Psalms, Psalms 92, he has a verse where he talks about the righteous and the cedars of Lebanon. He says, the righteous person will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. I love that. So as a metaphor, as a picture of faithfulness, I want to look at the cedars of Lebanon, and I think they are unique for three reasons. I'll list them, and then I'll come back and teach them. They were unique for three things, their roots, their fruit, and their fragrance. Their roots, their fruit, and their fragrance. You can write those three words down, and I will figure out how they apply to our lives as we go along. So these ginormous trees, and with girth and height, have a vast root system. And often on the mountaintops, they don't have the nutrients that they need to sustain the size of tree. So what they have developed over time, these roots have been known to grow about a thousand feet underneath the surface and down the side of mountains into the valleys to where they can find the nutrients, the minerals, and the water sources that they need to sustain them. 
a vast root system. When I think about this thing, roots, this is a common theme, as in Paul writes in Colossians, alluding to this, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And when I think of roots, there's an upward work to the work of God. You're being established and built up from the roots all the way up. And when it comes to root, I think the word I think that best encapsulate that practice for me is the word habits. In fact, I want you to write that word down if you can. Roots, you can see it there in parentheses, and the habits. I heard somebody recently say this, there are two things that are miraculous in the world. One is and one appears to be. The first one is the power of God. It's miraculous. It can heal the sick, cleanse the leper, set people free. It's powerful. The second appears to be because of what it can do over a lifetime, and that's habits. Practice over a lifetime seem to produce miraculous, compounding results. And I began to think about this often. I wrote this down as a statement is that it's the unseen part of our life, the invisible part, that produces the outward fruit of our life. It's often the routine and the habits that largely people don't see that are having huge impacts on us. And the question I would beg to say, are the habits and the routines of your life conducive to being built up and rooted in Christ, so much so that you're drawing from the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can be built up in the faith? Your roots, your habits. I'm going to give you just one of them that I think has just this year just blessed my life in a tremendous way. At Stone Creek, we're a word-centered church, and we we try to get people reading, not just praying the patterns of Scripture, but we want to read the Bible through every year together. So if you haven't downloaded our Bible reading app, I'd encourage you to, to download our app, and on there you can sign up to, to join us as we read through the Bible in a year. It's amazing to me, guys, how in just 12 to 13 minutes of just reading the Word consistently, how it's amazing that God will speak to me and give me something that day that I need, that I can draw life from. And I encourage you, maybe you started in January, but now we all the way in July, and man, maybe you don't remember the last time you read that Bible. I encourage you, don't even go try to make it up. Just jump in again. And maybe you're here and you've never done that. Do it again. Just If you can give 12 to 13 minutes a day, I think you can become rooted like you've never been rooted before. You know, there's a verse that really just spoke to me, and, or, and that's where I'm saying this, and, the, and reading my Bible just in 12, 13 minutes. Acts chapter 20, we just, in our Bible reading, we just left Acts, and there's this verse in Acts 20 that says this, now I commit you to God and, and the word of his grace, which can build you up in the faith. And now I, this is Apostle Paul, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up. Now, I just love that, the word of his grace. There is a grace that will be dispensed upon your life that you will experience that will lead to life transformation just simply by reading the word of God. It is the word of his grace. There's a rootedness, the habits underneath that draw upon the nutrients of God. Second 
one, and I'll spend the most time on this one, is this is the fruits. And uh, in botanical terminology, in terms there is a, the nutrients in the water turn into a sap, which is the life force of the tree that begins to work its way from the roots all the way up the, to the trunk. Now, I used to think that the branch came first and then it was the branches that pulled the sap from the bottom to the top, but that's not true. Branching, branches and fruit are the end result of something else, of excess. You see, when the tree has excess sap that it doesn't know what to do with, it grows another branch. It's the result of an overflow of sap that is pushed out of the trunk into the branch and ultimately to the fruit at the end of those branches. Ooh, I'm trying, sister. I've been gone for six weeks. It takes me a while to warm up, but I'm with you, Donna. I'm with you. I'm with you. Boy, I've missed you. Come on. Somebody said, Do you, what did you miss in six weeks? I said, I didn't miss the preaching. I didn't miss all the preparation. I don't miss the meetings, but I do miss the people. That's the best. I love this place. The people are amazing. I should say most of the people I miss. I'm joking. I'm, joking. I'm, joking. I'm just joking. Just joking. I had to throw that in there. But I just love that this, the sap moving through the trunk of the tree and being pushed out. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is the overflow of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You can't contain it. You can't stop it. You've cultivated it from the roots. You've developed the right habits. And now the Holy Spirit is pushing out branches and fruit on your life, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience. But now I have to, I have to segue. Because when you read the fruits of the Spirit, it's the second list in the book of Galatians. See, Paul, it's a book on freedom. It's a book about moving from law to grace and the, and, and the, and the law to the Spirit. And Paul's addressing some difficult subjects and he talks about, man, you got to walk in step. You got to develop the fruit. But it was in comparison and contrast to the list above. So you can't understand fruit until you understand the list of the works of the flesh. So what I want to do is I want to read to you a list that none of us are going to like to hear today because we're going to see ourselves in here in a lot of different places. So I want to read you the first list so that you can appreciate the second list. And it's Galatians chapter 5. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do whatever you want. Now, the moment you become saved and born again, the Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation and dwells on the inside of you. It confirms with you, the Holy Spirit does, that you're now the son or the daughter of God. That's what it means to be in Christ. Now, what happens is when the Holy Spirit moves into your life, he declares war on your flesh. They are of different minds. They are at war with one another, your flesh and the person of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know this? That it doesn't take long for you to go from spirit to flesh. Am I the only one preaching up in here? Listen, I was at the dollar store a few Christmases ago, and I had been sent there 
to get tape and wrapping paper. I don't know why they did this at the dollar store, but they decided to train a new cashier in the Christmas season. And that line was forever. 30, 40 minutes. I'm just waiting. And my wife is there. And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with these people. What in the world? I'm just giving, I'm just, I was not in the spirit. I was in the flesh. And I moved closer and closer to that cash register. And finally, I found myself standing in front of the cash register. And the person looks up, the cashier, and says, oh, Pastor Ricky. Oh, I am so glad you're here. I can't wait to be in church. What a great sermon you preached last week. And I said, oh, sister, bless you. I'm just so glad. Mm, thank you for the kind words, man. I, oh, what service you come to, blah, blah, man. I went out, and I felt that small. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, how quickly we can go from spirit to flesh in a moment. There was, a, there was a, a boxer, story of a boxer in a championship bout and was defending his title, and he was in the ring, and it was like third or fourth round, and the, the bell rings. It goes back to the corner, and the coach is sitting there. The trainer's sitting there, and he says, and, and, the, and the boxer's just, I mean, bloody eye, swollen up, nose might be broken. I mean, he's gasping for his breath. And, and the trainer says, man, champ, stay in here. He hasn't even hit you yet. And the boxer says, well, coach, listen, can you keep your eye on the referee? He says, why do you want me to watch the referee? Because somebody in that ring is hitting me. And if it's not the enemy, it's got to be the referee. And I thought, man, that's good. That's a good line. But the reality is, is this, if you're going to keep your eye on the enemy, you got to keep your eye on, the, on yourself because your flesh is your own worst enemy. Now, Paul doesn't mince words. He doesn't play games. He gives a list. He says they are evident. They are obvious. And he puts a list. Here's what he says. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law and the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Here's what he says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So fruit equals freedom because the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit's work in your life setting you free from the bondage of the flesh. You see, the fruit of the Spirit are pictures of freedom. It's the work of the Holy Spirit setting you free from jealousy, from bitterness, from in sexual morality, from drunkenness, from addictions. It's the work of the Holy Spirit transitioning you from flesh to spirit. And it's an ongoing work. May I give you as a pastor two thoughts when it comes to the cedars of Lebanon being rooted and now being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Two thoughts keep in mind. Number one is this. Starve the flesh and feed the Spirit. Learn to starve the flesh in a spiritual sense and feed the Spirit. If you've ever seen military shows or understand military strategy, or just even read the scriptures. The Assyrians in the scriptures would often surround cities and lay siege to them. 
they would dam up and block up rivers and they would block off roads and just basically starve the city into submission and surrender. That's the picture when it comes. That's how you diligently and vigilantly have to treat your flesh. Because there is a predictable pattern, a cyclical pattern to the flesh. A predictable pattern that often includes people, places, and circumstances. There are certain people when you get around them, flesh comes. There are certain places where you go where flesh rises up. And there are certain circumstances that are routine, hungry, tired, weary at the end of certain things. Listen, where your flesh, you're prone to leave spirit and move towards flesh. So listen, sometimes the greatest work that produces the fruit of the spirit is for you just to avoid certain things. Some of you, in order to really cultivate the fruit of the spirit and move from flesh to spirit, the greatest thing you could do is to delete some of your friends on Facebook because they don't need access to you anymore. They don't need to comment on your stuff anymore. Delete them. Some of you just need to remove it all together. Your TikTok, your Gram, your Snapchat, mm-hmm, Facebooks. I got you. Some of you need to go through your phone and delete the numbers and block the numbers. Some of you the best thing you can do for your life right now in this season, it may be for a time or permanently remove people from your life to stop going to certain places and to understand that I need to avoid these circumstances in order to cultivate in me the work of the Holy Spirit. Starve the flesh, feed your spirit. Second principle, and you may not like me after this one. I've been gone for six weeks. It's okay is this. Don't eyeball morality. Don't eyeball it. My wife and I, over this sabbatical, we, in the times that are together, we like to build projects, and we had uh, bought two or four porch columns, and we restored them and have turned them into a pergola. And we're at the end of it, and we're both standing back. And it looks like one of the columns might be off by just a little bit. And we're just standing there. I said, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe it looks straight. Maybe not. I don't know. And we had this whole conversation. It is, it is, and it is, it is. And finally, we, one of us just said, why don't we just go get a level? And a level is a, is, is a tool that has two lines and a bubble. And when that bubble's in the middle of those two lines, you're straight up and down, and you're level across horizontally. And sure enough, we put the level on it instead of eyeballing it, and we were off. And so we made the adjustments that we needed. The Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that appears that seems right. When you put your eyeball on it, nah, yeah, it could be this, it seems right. But in the end, it's death. And, you know, you wouldn't do that when you go to the doctor's office. They say, what, what's your blood pressure? Well, I think I'm about 110 over 75 right now. I'm kind of feeling good. What about your cholesterol? Well, you know, my cholesterol's good. It's low. I mean, I, I've been eating good. No, 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 no. We're going to put some instruments on there, and we're going to get some accurate readings. You wouldn't eyeball those things. Do not eyeball morality. You know, we are in a, in a, in a pivotal moment. Our nation is wrestling with some issues, moral issues, abortion, gender fluidity, gender identity, LGBTQIA, 
all kinds of things. Let me just say this. Don't eyeball morality. And I don't want any clapping in this moment right here because I don't want to, I don't know how it'll be interpreted. Just listen to me. If in your forming your opinions and your conversations, all you do is quote facts and things from other people and institutions, and you have not studied and looked into the word, you're eyeballing your morality. You're eyeballing it. And on those issues and many more issues, the sins of the flesh that were listed there, listen, you can't eyeball those. You have to put a level on it. The Bible says that everything we need for righteousness and godly living is in the word of God itself. It's the level. Put the word on it. I'll say a few things here too. I'm a pastor, so I'm just going to say it. When it comes to this decision of abortion, you can be right and not be righteous. And, you know, Apostle Paul says this in Acts when he left Ephesus. He says, with humility and tears, without, I, I withheld nothing from you and I proclaimed to you the truth. And you know what I think missing a lot of times in conservative Christianity, especially when they feel like they're right? There's no humility and tears. And you wield a sword to destroy and to wound people. And in the Bible, the only time we use the word to wound is to heal. Like a doctor with a knife, I'm going to hurt you, but I'm doing it to heal you, not to destroy you. And so what discourages me is sometimes the gloating and the prideful celebration I see from Christians who biblically know they're right, but their response is wrong. And if you're going to fall on that side where you're going to gloat and you're going to be prideful, hey, there's a lot of wonderful churches that you can attend, but don't come here or say that you go to a different church. So here's the thing. We want to be rooted. We want to walk and bear the fruit. We want to starve the flesh, feed the spirit. And what we want to do is we don't want to eyeball morality. We want to make sure we put a level on it and see what the word of God says. Uh, before I transition, I think this is important to say, because I know all of us are having all kinds of conversations around this right now. There was one time I preached a sermon, we preached a sermon here, and it was dealing with delicate stuff, and I remember I was being out, I didn't even preach the sermon that day, I was just standing in the lobby. A person comes out, we engage in conversation, express, this person expressed their disdain for the position of the scriptures, and they don't live here anymore, and they were long gone, but I just simply asked, I said, well, what I hear you say your opinion, but what, what do you think the scriptures say about this? Talk to me about how you came to this point of view. This person says, I don't care what the scriptures say. This is just what I know and what I think is right. I just want to say, I just humbly said, well, listen, then I really question the authenticity of your salvation. I think you're on very dangerous ground when you can simply say that. I encourage you, when it comes to moral issues, they're very revealing about how you come with your theology and your positions. And if you're going to delve into those and just espouse things, and you're going to leave out the word and the influence of it, I think you're on very dangerous footing. And you may find yourself at the end of that, far away from Christ and no longer even in the faith. Just be careful. 
Thirdly, I'll say in closing, is fragrance. Fragrance. If you've ever stayed in a log cabin made out of cedar wood, ooh, you know that, man, it just gives off an aroma. The cedars of Lebanon were world-renowned in biblical times, huge forests, and they were exported all over the world. In fact, Solomon, the great builder of Scripture, who unified the northern and southern kingdoms and expanded its boundaries and built ornate buildings in the temple, he built his personal chariots and he built the temple that housed the glory of the Lord in the Old Testament. He built it largely out of the cedars of Lebanon because of two things. It was rot-free and it was bug-free. In other words, there was a continuation, a consistency to the wood. It was, it's called a smooth wood. Is that it, it doesn't rot. It, it's the same all the way through, top to bottom, back to front. It is, there's, a consist, there's an integrity to it. You can trust it. And then it, the, because of the fragrance and the oil on the tree, bugs leave it alone. Termites didn't infest it. So small things didn't destroy it. In fact, Solomon in the temple, the scripture says, had two columns, one on the north end, one on the south end, layered in bronze, but it was the cedars of Lebanon. The one on the north was called strength. The one on the south was called stability. Listen, those, the cedars of Lebanon, they're pictures of strength and stability. They give off a fragrance. Apostle Paul says, we are the fragrance of Christ. 2 Corinthians, for we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved. David, who would write other scriptures, was said of him that he shepherded the people of Israel according to the skills of his hand and the integrity of his heart. One translation says that the nation feasted upon his integrity, fed upon it. Let me just say this. As you get rooted as you move from flesh to spirit and develop the fruit of the spirit, there's a fragrance that comes from your life. There's an integrity being woven and your marriage will feast on it. Your children will feast on it. Your coworkers will feast on it. And ultimately, they will take the wood of your life, the bug-free and the rotten-free wood of your life, and they will borrow from it and begin to build their own lives. This is important stuff. The cedars of Lebanon, the wave of the Holy Spirit, producing faithfulness so others can depend upon you. You're rooted. You're bearing fruit. You know how hard it is for me not to say you're rooted and fruited? I don't know why, but every time I got to consciously move it back the other day, you are rooted, you're bearing fruit, and you're giving off the fragrance of strength and stability. Amen? Let's stand as we get ready to pray. Amen. Invite the worship team to come. Woo. It's good to be home, guys. I'm going to ask you, the Word of God is a prayer book. When you hear the Scripture preached or you read it, the proper response is to humble yourself and to use it to pray back to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, just a sign of humility. Stand if you can. If not, no worries. And I want you to take a posture of humility. If you can and you're willing, would you put your hands in front of you, palms up, or would you lift them to the Lord? And listen, in this place, I just know that the Holy Spirit's been speaking. 
I'm going to give you a time to pray and lead you in a time of prayer. But let me speak to the first side. If you hear and you have yet to experience Jesus Christ in a salvific way, meaning you've never invited him to acknowledge him as the only one qualified to save you. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and to forgive you of your sins. And you need to do that. You need that wave of the Holy Spirit of mercy and grace to wash over you and cleanse you. If that's you, I want you just to begin to pray right now. You're in a great place. You've heard songs sung about him, the word of God preached, and now you just need to surrender your life to him. In humility, humble yourself and ask him to save you and cleanse you and forgive you. Well, the second group now, those are in Christ. This, talking about the wave of the Spirit that produces the fruits of the Spirit. Let's just pray through that little outline, roots, fruit, and fragrance. Come on, just tell the Holy Spirit, even right now, I want to be rooted in you. I want the right habits that allow me to draw from your power and your energy and your strength. Maybe you just need to humble yourself and, and, and say, Lord, I acknowledge that I, I, I've not been in your word. We've all been there. I've not been in, in the place of prayer, but maybe you just need to say, I, I need to get back to some habits that get me rooted. Maybe you need to repent a little bit and just say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to to restore a right relationship with you. Another one is fruit. Holy Spirit, I want to develop the fruit of your character. Just tell the Holy Spirit you want to move from flesh to spirit. And if there's any area where you know, maybe there's a particular thing where you're on that list or you know that people, place, circumstances, man, it just keeps coming. And Why not invite the Holy Spirit now? Say, I want to develop love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Holy Spirit, I want freedom from anger, from lust, from sexual immorality, from addictions, from drunkenness, from life-controlling things. now I think this is a good one fragrance Lord let me be the fragrance of Christ let me have my life have a pleasing aroma to it in the sense of I reflect who you are I reflect your strength and stability Father I just thank you that in this place this morning this afternoon now man you're doing a work you're saving people in this room right now as they turn their hearts towards you by the power of the holy spirit seal this moment make it meaningful and life-changing let them know that the sons and daughters of god and now i just pray lord let me let us let stone creek let us be rooted let us bear fruit of the holy spirit there's a verse in isaiah that says when the people are set free, they will rebuild the city. May that be true here. 
May you do a work of freedom from flesh to spirit so that we can rebuild this city and do a great work here. And Lord, let us be the fragrance of Christ to those who are coming to faith. Let us be a pleasing aroma of strength and stability. We thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Let a tidal wave of your power and mercy push back against the things that work in our life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, please remain standing as we, as we worship the Lord in closing song.